you are listening to The Dish, the Medical Laboratory Professional Association's monthly podcast series. I'm Danique Evering. This season, we're focusing on an issue which impacts all of us here in Ontario, the impending medical laboratory staffing crisis. Over the course of the last six months, we've heard from small laboratories in rural and remote areas, lab managers preparing for shifting workforces, an advocacy group approaching the province to address the crisis, a quality manager noticing patterns across Northern Ontario, and an educator training the next generation of MLTs. Episode six marks our final episode in the series, two MLTs working on the front lines of the shortage. For February's episode, we speak with... Mary Louise Peterson. I'm an MLT in microbiology. I'm a bench tech, so I'm doing all the urinalysis we do in micro. We do the cultures, identification of bacteria, susceptibility testing. We've started doing a lot of PCRs for MRSA, BRE. Yeah, so uh, a lot of testing we do in there. I'm Deanne Chinfania. I uh, I'm also a bench tech in chemistry. Graduated in 84. I moved to Thunder Bay in uh, 1990. I took my course at Algonquin College in Ottawa, which I believe is no longer offered. Uh, I moved here in 1990. I left, got a job. I left in 92 to raise my family. I came back in 2007 and I just semi retired. <laughs> yeah, I'm back uh, more than I want as a casual employee. <laughs> I think you're not alone in that <laughs> across yeah. the province. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Peterson and Chen Fenya have been working the bench and have seen the industry change. When I asked them when they first became aware of the medical laboratory professional staffing crisis, Chen Fenya's answer is immediate. Well, I think uh, the writing was on the board with the number of retirements that were happening. It seems like they were happening in groups. A lot of the people that I first started working with are no longer working anymore. And uh, these are people who went through an amalgamation of three hospitals into one. Uh, and they were struggling to, to maintain their jobs, and they had to re-educate themselves in different departments because there was, you know, the lack of people in other departments and a surplus in others. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of knowledge out the door, and um, there was, it didn't seem like we had the equivalent amount of students coming through the program that were, that were going to stay in Thunder Bay or stay in the north in order to maintain the, the vacancies that were happening. Peterson graduated in 1988. I was one of the last people, I think, to get a full-time job right out of school. And I took the course here in Thunder Bay. So as the years have gone on, I mean, we know that it's very cyclical. We have way too many MLTs and then not enough, and way too many and not enough. And when they had the school here, we were producing too many MLTs for the jobs that were around, and that's when they decided to close it. But it was kind of, we all knew what was going to happen, because, yeah, there was a, a bunch of people the same age bracket. And so when it's time to retire, a whole bunch of people retire. They kind of, it seems like they missed the boat with the timing. They closed the school. We were fine for a little bit. And then now we're at a total shortage. So when I noticed, I would say a few years back for sure. Because, yeah, people were retiring. And then we noticed we could not get staff probably in the last five yeah. five years or so. It's been really tough around here. Yeah, a lot of people just leaving and, yeah, nobody to replace them. And so now what we do have, we have a very young staff and nobody to cover cover for them when it's time to for vacation or anything like that. 
Right, so, so there's a middle missing there. There is, there definitely is. So yeah, I would think in the last five years for sure. Like Peterson says, although schooling has been cyclical, there's been a gap between retired MLTs and new MLTs beginning their careers. This shortage has led to stress within lab teams working under a constant state of being short-staffed. I mean, we've been asked to uh, reduce our vacation time. You want to trade any shifts off, and if you have an important event to attend and you're scheduled to work, it, it gets more and more difficult to uh, find someone to replace you. Rural hospitals like Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Centre often serve a large catchment area of the surrounding rural and remote communities. With an aging population in the province and 44.5% of the population over 45, as well as increasing annual lab testing, staff are in the position of doing more with less. The work doesn't seem to decrease, so it becomes in your stress level it just amplifies and you're expected to produce the same amount of work with less people. So you kind of adapt to that and then the work gets more, and then you adapt to that. The norm, the, the baseline for the norm and the volume of what comes through the lab, it just gets higher and higher and higher. And so what happens is that your stress levels go up. It just doesn't make for a very great environment to work in when you're constantly running around. Like we heard from quality manager Sarah James in our December episode, training in rural and remote areas becomes much more difficult with the increased workload and decreased staff. With all that running around, it's hard enough to finish your own work, let alone make sure your placement students understand what they're doing and have time to ask questions. Well, chemistry anyway, we've gone through a, a major change in the lab for automation. We've, uh, they've implemented a track system. So I felt so bad for the students that were going through at that time because we were so wrapped up with trying to learn the track system that they weren't really getting the training that they needed. And I could kind of see it now when those students that were hired on to stay on there's just stuff that they should know that they don't know because they just didn't have the proper hands-on training at that time because we were still preoccupied to try to get this track up and running. Both Peterson and Chanfanya agree on this. I think that the huge impact for sure has been automation. So the track was brought in. I think thinking that it would that we would need fewer MLTs to, to run the department with a track, but it seems like it's kind of gone the other way. Um, so I, a lot of automation has come in, but it has not decreased the need for MLTs as far as I can see. Working short means there's lots of overtime available. However, personal connections suffer when staff members are working overtime so frequently. There has been overtime, a lot of overtime, and some people that's fine, but most people I do not think want the overtime. Um, mm. It really is challenging for personal life. And I think a lot of people are getting burnt out as well. Yep, yep. Because, you know, you used to see a lot of hands raised up saying, oh, who wants to work? I'll but take it. not anymore. No. Um, which again, again, also brings increased sick time. Yeah. With no easy answers, one of the proposals we often hear is that the coming increased automation of the lab will solve many of the healthcare shortage concerns as machine optimizations continue to develop. However, as Peterson and Chanfanya discuss, automation adds a different level of work and might not be the easy fix legislators are hoping for. As Peterson describes, Micro is automated, but I think it has caused more turmoil in the core. Chanfanya agrees. I mean, automation is great when it's working, 
But today is not a good day in chemistry. We have some issues with some of our instruments. Automation collides with decreased staff sizes, compounding equipment fixes when they inevitably occur. This is also further impacted by the fact that hospitals are often dealing with the most ill populations, which need human verification for results. We used to be two MLTs at night, but because of shortages, we're down to one MLT at night uh, with an MLA. And so all the maintenance and quality control is done on day shift, which is the busiest time of the day, but we don't have any choice because you can't expect one MLT to do all the maintenance on three machines, three big machines, the 5600s, run all the QC, as well as run the patients that come down through Emerge. Our emergency department here is insane. Our ICU is always full. Our cancer ward is always full. So there's constantly samples coming out through the night. So when you have one machine, you know, periodically down throughout the day, your backlog of samples increases. And someone still has to verify all those results. Now, they've put in auto verification, which has helped. But we're processing over a 1,000 samples, if not more, a day. And that's a regular day. That used to be a busy day. Now that's a regular day. And here's the thing, too. Uh, we're not like life labs that have a healthier population. No. We're in a hospital that has ICU and emergency. Mm-hmm. So the samples, they're not going to auto-verify. No. They're going to have to be looked at and repeated. So, yeah, you do need those MLTs looking at those results. Yeah, and then you, you know, request for repeats and then confirmations and then you have to call and then there's the phone calls that come down as well that have to be dealt with. And sometimes it's just, it's overwhelming. Uh, yeah, automation's great when it's working, but it, it doesn't take long for things to start backing up if something goes down. Yeah, so the automation in microbiology, it's great too. It has made things faster, but it has made work harder for the MLTs. We feel like there's now double the work than we used to have. Better for the patient, for sure. Harder for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have taken on more tests, like PCR testing, that we used to send off to public health labs. Now we are dealing with a lot of that. But has the staff increased proportionately? No, it has not. Troubleshooting fixes also becomes difficult with the reduced staff on the front lines. Collaborating to solve equipment fixes or double-checking an unexpected result becomes almost impossible when you're alone on a shift. Currently in chemistry, we've been working short one MLT for the, well, probably since December. We used to have four MLTs on and an MLA, and we were all very busy with those four. Now we're down to three MLTs and one MLA, and you're nonstop all day long, even with the automation, even with Mm -hmm. auto-verification. You know, especially when you have one MLP, their sole purpose is to run QC and do the maintenance on the instrument. At least two MLPs all day to um, to handle the workload. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's affected me, but more so in the core that they're down to the one person in chemistry, the one MLT and one MLA on night. And yeah, to help having an MLA for sure, it is. However, you can't bounce things off of an MLA the same way that you would mm-hmm. another MLT. So right. you don't have that expertise. You don't have have that support that you should have. You oh, feel yeah, more alone sure. on a night shift, for sure. We're not alone alone. There's, a, there's yeah. a couple of techs in hematology, but those hematology techs may have no knowledge of no. 
why is my instrument not working? What is going on here? You know, you have no one to, to bounce off. Uh-huh. Why uh-huh. is this happening? What is this error? You have no one to do that. Unless you're an experienced person. I'm, prob- I'm the last one left. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've been here. Everybody else is, you know, very new. It's a young staff. It's and, a very young staff. And that's, I mean, and yeah, everybody's qualified, but it is concerning too, oh, I think. Oh, sure. Chenfanya and Peterson reflect on the personal impact of the shortage and why overworked lab staff still go into work despite needing time to connect with family. The strong team dynamics mean that lab staff have a commitment to each other and to their patients. Well, stress level, definitely. That I think everybody has felt that. The overtime, I'm one of the people that takes overtime and it certainly it has effect on, on family. I've children and it's, it's hard you don't want to leave people short and that's the thing there's almost a guilt involved with it mm-hmm. you think oh this person can't be alone on a weekend you can't leave one person on a weekend when you usually have two so there is that also I guess what I have found is that having MLAs which we weren't used to having there's a kind of a sense of, of loss of control for for me personally, I've always been used to setting up these tests on my own and I've had to give up a lot of that. I've had to learn to trust them a lot with setting up my testing that I am verifying and I'm not <laughs> watching to do it. So it's, it's kind of a, a hard thing for me to give up. It has affected me when I want a day off. I've been working for a long time and I have a lot of vacation that I should be able to use and I can't sometimes because there's just nobody to work that shift. Also, sometimes we have to work short because either nobody wants the overtime or there just is no one to call. So, I mean, it affects everyone, I think, quite a bit. We all try to do our best, but working short, I can see that errors happen. Mm -hmm. And how can they not? And, And it's hard when you know that you've made an error, that you've let that go out, and the impact that it might have on a patient, that's upsetting. So I I feel that there are a lot of negatives. Looking down the road, this could have impacts on patient care and extreme staff burnout and injury is likely if things continue as they have been. Well, I think our turnaround times will be slightly affected. (laughs) 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 I mean, we're trying. We, you know, obviously we prioritize the urgents and the stats, but when everything is ordered, urgent and stat, and the doctors, especially the new doctors, they just, it's like checking boxes all the way down the list. You know, they're not really um, being very discreet with, with what the tests are ordering. So it's like we're over-testing as well. So it's hard to process all that. And you're rushing to, to process the same amount of, of samples that you would normally do in a shorter period of time. So the potential for errors, like Mary Louise was saying, is, is increasing. I think we're all task-driven. We're all goal-driven. We're, we all want to see that pending list is short and our turnaround time's over. So yeah, I've been guilty of rushing in with my verification and, and you know, you do a quick scan. Okay, it looks good. Off uh-huh. they go. Because you feel, oh my God, I got to get to this urgent. I got to get to this stuff. But, but it, it gets, you get burnt out. You get burnt out very quickly. Your morale goes down. I mean, I remember there used to be a basketball or baseball team, oh, softball yeah. team. Yeah. There used to be social outings as MLTs. You're just so burnt out. You don't want, you want to go home and go to bed. 
seven o'clock sometimes. <laughs> there's no, there's not that socialization, camaraderie that we used to have anymore. Just because by quitting time, you're done. Uh-huh. So the morale goes down, the stress goes up, and uh, repetitive strain injuries as uh-huh. well. Because uh, we're basically, I'm on a mouse pretty much all day if I'm verifying. Uh-huh. So not a good outlook unless something changes very quickly. Traditionally, when MLTs retire, many people would come back as casual to help out. This is also changing as burnout and stress increase with the shortages. People who are close to retirement age or are retiring, a lot of times people used to come back as casual. And that is not happening anymore. No. When people are retiring now, it's just, yeah, see ya, I'm out. Or if they do, they only last a year. They don't last long. It's just too stressful for them. And that is huge expertise and experience walking out the door, which is a huge loss. To be quite honest, I was thinking of not coming back, but I just knew that the lab was in such a a dire strait for workers that I thought, okay, we'll we'll do it one more year. But I'm not sure. Uh, After a day like that, Maybe reconsidering. <laughs> I'll do out my year, but um, yeah, I mean, I, we'll be honest here. The, one of the main reasons for myself retiring was I could see that um, vacation time, I was not going to get any. And I was at an age where I could retire and I'd come back casual and I'd contribute as much as I could. But uh, yeah. at what cost? At what cost? Yeah. yeah. Staffers stuck between a rock and a hard place. And when they feel they can't work to the best of their abilities, morale is significantly impacted. It's hard to succeed when the conditions make that reality seemingly impossible. The government of New Brunswick has recently moved to address the laboratory professional staffing shortage by consolidating 20 labs to as few as seven. When Chanvania mentioned earlier that three hospitals in their area had recently consolidated into one, we were curious to find out their thoughts on consolidation as a viable option for addressing the shortage crisis, particularly in rural and remote areas of Ontario. Not in northern Ontario. We're just too spread out. I mean, uh, the amalgamation of the three hospitals, they were three smallish How long ago was that? that? 2005, maybe? I can't even remember when that was. It was a long time ago. I can't even remember either. I mean, all the labs within those hospitals were like fully functioning five department laboratories. So when the new hospital was built, it made sense to have one central lab for the hospital. But as far as cutting that down and and amalgamating with life labs, that's not a viable option for us at all. And our closest hospital here is what, Sonora? Yeah, Kenora, Dryden, there's Atacokan, but they're all very small. small hospitals. They're very small. What else did Georgia say before that we're responsible for... White River to Manitoba. Yeah. So Ontario's far too big of a province to compare it to New Brunswick, number one. Number two, God bless them if they had 20 labs in New Brunswick, because (laughs) (laughs) 20 labs in Northern Ontario... Um, it's just, it's just not a viable option for here. We don't have, we don't have Greyhound buses. The only transportation in and out of here is the airport. The train doesn't come by here. We don't have Greyhound buses. Uh, when we get our stuff from, uh, the Red Cross in Winnipeg, I'm assuming, it comes by WestJet. So it's expensive. Yeah. You know, but, and, but we're servicing such a large area. I don't know who we would consolidate with. I don't with. know. Yeah, exactly. Is it? 
a matter of samples changing by the time they're at the destination? Oh, for sure. Yeah, if they're temperature mm-hmm. uh, sensitive. Yeah, some of them are time sensitive as well. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense to send like an important body fluid to another lab where you need that result right now. Yeah. You can't wait for a day. You need it now. The human resources shortage issue is huge and impacts healthcare across the province, particularly in rural and remote areas. Chenfanya and Peterson proposed some solutions within education, bridging, upgrading, compensation, and promotion of the field. The biggest thing would be to reopen a school here in Thunder Bay. You know, they, we have quite a few MLAs here that would be interested in becoming MLTs, but because you have to travel so far for school and you're gone for two years, I think it's two years, mm-hmm. um, that they just can't possibly do that. They have families, they have, um, you know, financially, they yeah, they have their it. lives here already. Um, if there was that, we would have way more MLTs coming out for sure. Um, and if there was one of uh, our students right now, actually, she originally she has she also has an x-ray she is an x-ray tech she did that right out of high school um, but she said her first choice was lab but because they did not offer it and she was not prepared at 18 to move away from home she took x-ray instead and um, so now she's back in labs many it's like years later where now she was ready to go away so she she went and now she's getting her MLT. She's in her final, um, her placement right now. But um, she made it very clear if that would have been offered here when she was 18, she would have done that. And so that was what, like 10 years ago, um, we would have that. We'd have that MLT all ready to go. And I think a lot of people are like that. Um, another thing she said about going into X-ray over lab was that they do get paid more in, in our hospital and maybe everywhere, I don't know. Um, but that's another thing too, you know, compensation for that. And they also said, you know, maybe if the hospital offered an incentive for going to school for the MLAs, maybe they would, you know, give some of the funding for it. Or even if the schools here or out of the city, if they gave credit for the MLA program, because I don't think they do that even. Mm-hmm. So that would be a help. There, there are a lot of things around that education part that would be a huge help. I don't think the profession in general is well known either. I mean, you look at any hospital, where's the lab? In the basement. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, they just don't think once they get their blood drawn in emergency or at their, their doctor's office, what happens to that blood sample? Like, where does that go? And, and who does all the tests on it? I don't think when, uh, I mean, I know there's National Medical Laboratory Week, but honestly, I don't, I don't think nobody goes to the high schools and promotes our, mm-hmm. our profession. And um, we don't have commercials on TV like the uh, ONA does. Yeah. <laughs> So we're very, uh, we're kind of in the back shadows of the hospital and uh, they don't call us lab rats for nothing because that's where we are. And it's an exciting profession. It's never the same thing every day. It's always something new. And if someone wants that, they should know about it. But I don't think they do. Yeah, if if it could be promoted somehow. Mm -hmm. um, Because it is, it's very satisfying. 
it's nice knowing that you've helped someone. You've made a difference. As you, some person. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you saved some. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And it is huge. Yeah. To me, it's really, it, it makes you happy knowing that you've done that. Yeah. And fulfilled. It would be great, yeah, if if we could go to the high schools and even, you can tell stories. Yeah. We all have stories, like oh, those yeah. really good stories of the part that you had in somebody's recovery, you know, and not that these people even know you exist, exactly. and they don't, but we still feel good about it. You saved their lives. Well, yeah. we're not on the front line like the nurses or the doctors or the, the, the therapists. They, they don't see us, they just see the sample leave the room. The issue of the medical laboratory professional shortage is a complicated one. Everyone is trying to find a fix from where they stand. After we talk, Chanfanyi emails me. Our supervisors are doing the best they can to come up with solutions for the shortage as well, she writes. It's not all doom and gloom. For myself, I find the MLAs are a big help and a good solution to help with the shortage. Even though we are extremely busy, we do try to provide the best service we can under all circumstances. Everyone is struggling and working together to find a solution with the available resources and capacity. But real systemic change is needed if we're gonna come up with long-term solutions. We're gonna to need to work together, all of us, advocacy groups, hospitals, educators, staff, lab managers, regulators, quality managers, legislators, each from our own position. We have to make sure everyone is cared for and the work is sustainable. Only then will we truly solve this crisis. This has been The Dish, the MLPAO's monthly podcast series discussing key med lab issues in Ontario. This episode was produced by me and recorded in our studio overlooking the Niagara Escarpment and at the free makerspace at the Terry Berry branch of the Hamilton Public Library. It was produced and edited by Lauren Hicks of New River Media. If you would like to apply to the MLPAO Community Grant to visit a high school or raise the profile of the profession, we have funds available for you all year long. Visit mlpao.org for more information. This has been our sixth and final episode of The Dish's exploration of the medical laboratory shortage in Ontario. If you have thoughts you want to share, email us at mlpao at mlpao.org. The Dish is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.